Well, today um, uh, we're going to be exploring what we were just singing about, the very presence, the activity, the, the leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit. We're um, going to look back in the book of Acts, which we've been going through, and it's the story of the, the church after Jesus had resurrected, and he hung out with the disciples for a while, and then he ascended into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit came down the day of Pentecost and led the church, empowered the church to fulfill what Jesus had commanded them to do. You know, to take this good news that, that God is now among us in Jesus. The love of God is real in Jesus. Forgiveness is real in Jesus. To take that good news to their neighbors, to the neighborhoods next to theirs, to the city next to theirs, to the states, to the nations, to the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit was, is real, as we'll see in our passage in Acts 16 that we'll look at in a moment. But for some, the question is, ah, well, that was then. Does the Spirit still work like that today? And um, I, I want to tell you this, this week, my experience has been one that the Holy Spirit is still at work in those unique, special, specific ways, leading and guiding us, even in spite of us, uh, to carry the good news to the ends of the earth and inviting others to join with us in what we say and in what we do. Um, it was Wednesday night. Uh, it was about 7.30. I was leaving here after meeting here and sort of finishing things up, heading to my car. It was dark and there were uh, 10 cars sort of scattered throughout the parking lot. And as I was walking to my car, dreaming of what was for dinner when I got there, I saw a man just out of the corner of my eye sort of walking from Hamilton, not necessarily towards me, but my general direction. And so I tried to speed up so that I could be gone, you know, before he sort of got near me. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a, a best moment uh, there, but I was tired. You know, I was ready to get home, but he, he got there around the time I was putting stuff in my car and, and, and wasn't coming towards the car, but just walking by. And I just said, hello, how you doing? You know, which is a nice way of just saying hi. But he answered my question, how are you doing? And as I was putting stuff in the car, I couldn't really understand what he was saying because he was still walking away. And I and I, in that moment, I was aware, you know, that we as a church are saying, you know, how do we engage with people outside of the church? And that's not just a philosophical or theological question. It's a real question. That's a flesh and blood question. That's a person to person question. That's even when a person is walking across the parking lot at 730 kind of question. So I closed the door and Walked around the car and just, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't hear you. How, how are you doing? And he's standing about 20, 20 yards away. No, 20 feet away. Um, and he, and I can, and he says some stuff about his wife and that she died. And so it, I'm not that hard hearted. So when I heard that, I took a step or two closer to him and then noticed that he was crying. And so I walked a little closer to him and he said, yes, yeah, she died about two months ago. They've been married 43 years and he just needed to walk off the grief. And he just and he was seriously thinking about walking home and just finishing it all. And he pulls his hand to his head like this. Well, then I walked very quickly towards him and just 
I have nothing to say. I don't know what to say in that moment, but I just embrace him and he embraces me. And so here we are, these two men in the middle of the parking lot at 730, just, you know, weeping together. And as he's with his head on my shoulder, he tells me a little bit more about her death and their their, their life together. And that just the uh, that this has brought up the trauma. He served in Vietnam and he starts bringing those stories back up. And so the grief and the pain and the trauma of that are just all crashing in on him as we're talking and and he you know just says thank you you know just for talking you know and for this moment and of course i then stop say well i need to ask you know do you have a plan that you're going to carry out what you were just telling me and i don't know if y'all saw in the newspaper you know the in the state of ohio in in the last 10 years uh, suicide's gone up 43 percent um, so, uh, and, and the most actually in the age group that's happened the most is the, um, uh, under 19 age group, uh, but it was in the inquirer this morning, um, actually, but, um, uh, anyway, so, and, and so that's a serious thing when, if ever that happened, just a little side, you know, public announcement, if that happens to you, then you ask, do you have a plan? And are you going to carry that plan out? And so we had that little conversation around. Then, then his, his, uh, the phone rings and it's his brother. And he's like, yeah, he talks to his brother. He tells me he's worried about me too. And I'm like, okay, good. And then he tells him the phone, well, yeah, this guy I didn't tell him who it was or anything. And he said, well, this guy just stopped me in the parking lot and we've been talking and God just sent him to stop me. So I'm, I'm okay. And, and then he leaves talking to his brother on the phone as he goes. So I'm in the middle of studying Acts 16, which is all about the Holy Spirit leading Paul, Barnabas, or Paul and Silas and Timothy um, on their journey and telling them no and yes. And I'm thinking, this is exactly the kind of thing that the Spirit does, um, even in spite of us. You know, because it, it wasn't in my heart um, to, to do that in the moment, but the Spirit brought that coincidence um, to happen. Um, and some, uh, as some say, some good friends say, yep, we pray and coincidences happen. Or we, we sing and say what we were just singing. Holy Spirit, make us aware of your presence. And coincidences happen. But I believe today, just as we'll see in Acts 16, that God continues to lead us, lead the church as a community, lead us as followers of Jesus to do his work of love and grace and truth in the midst of real evil. And we'll see that as we walk through in, in the midst of, of real evil. Because in addition, this week, two pastors, one of whom I knew and had talked with, have committed suicide. This, this one is just down in Ripley, Ohio, a pastor that I'd talked with, and they're another eco-Presbyterian church. And another, Garrett Verhagen, um, is a child of this church, the Verhagen family, if you know Luke or Mary Sue or Paul. Um, they're, uh, and, but he now lives in Washington State. And the church, the, the pastor of the church that he goes to now did the same thing this week. So th- this is in the midst of real evil, of real mess, that God is still at work. Now, that brings up a whole other question, which is a whole other set of sermons. Well, why does this happen? Um, that's a whole other... But the reality is that's what happens. And the reality is that the Spirit is still alive, leading and guiding us forward. So we, And we want to be a part of what the Spirit is doing in the midst of the evil of our world 
around us. So let's look at Acts chapter 16. It's uh, on page 9. The part we'll read is on page 925 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you again for your written word. Speak to us through your written word in uh, the unique ways that we need to hear. Open our hearts, open our souls, open our hands and feet and our mouths um, to do your work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Now, in this passage is uh, the main characters here are Paul and Silas and Timothy. Paul and Silas are colleagues in ministry. Timothy's one of their students. They've been in Antioch, which is uh, uh, the place where the church really was the sending place for the church to then send missionaries to the ends of the earth. And that's what Paul is, one of the, the first like missionary to go to the ends of the earth. And uh, um, uh, they're um, now on their journey. They're, they're leaving Antioch. And uh, in, in, in the beginning of Acts, Acts 1, 8, Jesus tells them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take this good news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts follows that outline. And so now they're leaving Antioch, which is the area of Samaria, and they're now heading into the ends of the earth. Um, and that's where we pick it up. Um, all right, six, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they'd come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We'll um, end there uh, for, for right now. Um, a couple things that I want us to, to see here, and this, this part, this little part of the journey, this beginning of taking the good news to the ends of the earth, is one is you got a team there. They. Wasn't just Paul. He wasn't a lone ranger. Wasn't a, a, a big, big Yahoo doing his thing. He was there with a team who were preparing um, uh, and leading and doing the work of the Lord together. And you even notice this is one that's unique. This is a little. This is a freebie. Um, every once in a while, in the Book of Acts, Luke will turn to first person plural. He'll turn from they to we, and giving his that he's now present in the account. And that happens in this reading. Where now Luke has joined them and he's saying this is what we did. And it happens uh, every once in a while. So it's, a, it's the work of a team, not an individual um, most often. Yeah, there are individual elements here and there, but they're always part of a team. Now, um, why would you, would you say that? Yeah, and, and you see Jesus does the same thing. He sends us out two by two. That's what he did when he sent the disciples out. They always went in pairs and groups um, two by two. I think there's a couple reasons why he sends us out in a, in a team on our, our work as, as a team, as a community. Um, uh, part of that is like accountability and support. You know, um, maybe uh, somebody today, uh, they, they have this sense that God is, is leading me to take you know, the good news into prisons. 
to prison ministry. And, and today you, you feel that, but you keep it to yourself. You don't tell anybody. Um, well, then, you know, you leave and by Monday, it's uh, maybe not. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe that was the pizza I ate Saturday night. And by Wednesday, you've gotten so busy, you've just forgotten it. But if it really was the Lord leading you, the Spirit nudging you in that direction, the reason you need other people is to tell them. And if they concur and agree, then they help support. They are sort of that accountability to keep us from getting too busy from doing what the Lord calls to do. And if indeed you, you do that, it's not something you're going to do by yourself. You need a team, a group of people to support and encourage and help. It's also good to ha- have a team for discernment. Because there are some times that we blame the Holy Spirit for our preferences and desires. Um, uh, the worst case of this was a number of years ago, a couple of ministries ago, with a young man who believed God had given him a vision that the, a particular woman uh, on, um, uh, that, that she knew was going to be his wife. And uh, he went and shared that with her. And she was a mature woman. And uh, in in Christ, and she said, uh, well, he hasn't told me that. And so that then became, then we all came in into that sense of God's uh, speaking to them and realized that indeed, and all people realized eventually, that that wasn't really the Lord's leading. That was really his desires that he just blamed the Spirit for. And that can happen as well, which is why we need community and why they're in community on this journey of living out the the general revelation of what Jesus told the disciples then and what he tells us now. Go be my witnesses. Go be my witnesses. Wherever you go, go be my witnesses. Wherever you are, go make disciples. That, that we know. It's written. Everybody can read it. We can see it. We can hear it. That's the general revelation. But as we live that out, in our specific ways, the Spirit will empower and guide and direct us. I mean, because even, even with them, um, they are told, go to the ends of the earth. Well, the ends of the earth leave a lot of options to go. I mean, where do you go? And then that can lead to the paralysis of analysis. You know, that you just sit there and say, well, let's wait, I could go here, or I could go here, or there, or here, or, and you start analyzing all the rest, well, at some point, they just start moving. The other thing that you, you see here, that they, they start to move, they take a first step, they take their next step, and as we see in the passage, they take a step toward Bithynia, nope, not there, uh, Fergie, nope, not there, and then they get to the, but keep going, they keep walking, they, and then, then, then the vision comes to them, to go to Macedonia, which is Greece, um, basically, um, and uh, in that direction. And um, but they're moving. As, as my um, I shared this last week, as my old football coach said, you know, you can't steer a parked car. You know, you, you, there's a time when you got to start moving. Yeah, you know, as I write the sermons, you know, I, yeah, I want to pray, I want to prepare, I want to study, I want to read the, the the text, think about it, think about other things. But it, at some point. I've got to get out a pen and a piece of paper or I've got to get out my fingers and a keyboard. And I've got to start writing. As, and praying the Spirit leads as this is both written and then as it is delivered, sometimes because but often in spite of my myself. And as a church, 
and our work of the church today. We, we have recognized, you know, that, that we're in a season where we need to make some changes. We need to take some steps. We need to, we need to start in the direction of how do we engage? As I said already, how do we engage with people outside the church? How do we share the love of Jesus with them? How are we aware of the needs in the world that are around us? And so that's why we have uh, given the middle hour through the end of this year um, to evangelism, to sharing, learning how to share. What, what's the world around us like? How do we engage with the world in the ways of Jesus so that we can share his love with others and invite others to join with us? And in the, we're already planning now during Advent, you know, season before Christmas, the, the Sunday before Christmas, to have even like a little mini, in that middle hour, we're going to have like a little mini Christmas festival with, you know, photo booth, uh, with um, uh, crafts, uh, with uh, um, maybe cookies, Christmas cookie kind of things. Just something along those lines. Just, hey, let's invite folks to participate in that, that maybe, because maybe Christmas is that time when people will say, oh, yeah, I guess I'll go to church around Christmas and around Easter. Oh, we're going to, let's try this. Let's move. Let's see if this works. Then uh, afterwards, we'll, we'll, uh, January and February, we're all going to meet together in the fellowship hall. And we're going to do what's called Alpha. And Alpha is this international program around, that, that's been used in churches all around the world uh, to help. Existing churches engage with the world outside, particularly to help make the, to, to make spaces, whether it's in church buildings or in homes or in restaurants, safe spaces for folks on the outside of the church who would say clearly they're not a believer, but they're, they're curious, they're interested, they're seeking, they're wondering. Make a safe place for them to ask their questions and not be called a heretic for doing it. Or not be answered directly. Well, this is what the Bible says. But using the language of the day to engage with them. More importantly, to hear them and understand those questions. So anyway, that and what the folks that have used the Alpha program found, that's a great way to engage folks. So we're going to, let's try that. Let's move in that direction. And there's plenty of other things that many of you are already doing. You know, for example, you know, with ad- ad- mentoring and tutoring at Pleasant Hill. That we have the privilege of being able to do that um, openly in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you are involved in campus ministries and high school campuses or college campuses where you're, you're engaging with folks in the name of Jesus. Well, and just you know, last Sunday, we had the privilege of baptizing three folks in this room, in this service. One who had grown up in the church, really came to the place with his own voice of saying, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And two others who were... Um, at uh, engaged in tutoring and mentoring program and heard the good news and are ready to follow them so much so they're going to get in bunch get in front of a bunch of you and get dunked in the water in the name of Jesus. But the point is we're ready to move. And the question that we all have to say is how am I going to take a step in that? How, how am I doing what we just sang? How am I in tune with what the Spirit is saying and aware of His presence? And what's the step? Just one step that He's calling me to make in this way. Now, the, the final thing that we see in this, uh, that, I, that I want to bring up uh, in this passage is so there, there is, that notice they take the step and the first answers they get are no. 
Right? They're, they're going along. Okay, here we go. I can just, my sense is possible that, that Paul and Silas, they're like, here we go. We're going to the, to the ends of the earth. I think Paul is sort of that Yahoo kind of guy. And he's going, here, where's the closest place? Bithynia. Let's go there. We're, we're going there. And no, you can't go there. And then, well, there's Fergia. Let's go there. No, you can't go there. And he just keeps walking as the passage goes on to the northernmost part of that part of the, uh, of, of the world. And then finally the vision comes of where to go. But th- they had no before they had yes. And the other interesting thing that I really like about this is we're not told what the no looked like. Was it a vision? Was it a premonition? Was it the word of other prophets that were around them? Or was it simply that the road was out? Was it just the physical impossibility of getting there because the, there was a war going on, this little skirmish, and you didn't go? We don't know. It doesn't tell us, but he tells us the Lord is the one who is at work and then tells, gives them the vision. And he has a, a man in his dream saying, go to Macedonia and, and go there. And so they, they do. They make their journey straight for there. Why do you think God did that? You know, I mean, if I'm Paul and this paralysis of analysis, Paul and um, uh, Silas and Timothy, you know, and I'm in Antioch before we go. So, all right, what's the plan? Where where are we going so we can prepare and then we'll get everything ready and then then we'll go. You know, uh, as a good friend of mine says, you, you know, use most of us are ready, aim, fire. Sometimes with God, it's ready, fire, aim. You see where it's shot? Then you go. Huh? Miss that. Let's pull a little more to the right. Shoot again. Huh? We're a little too high. Let's pull it down. I, I think the reason that God does that is because part of his desire, part of the work, uh, you know, his, his, it isn't his only desire to take the gospel to the, re- to the ends of the earth. That's not his only desire. Matter of fact, the, the greatest purpose that we have is the very glory of God. And that includes taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, but it also includes you and me becoming more and more like Jesus. As we become grow more in faith, more in trust, more in love, that brings God glory as well. So he, he's doing all these kind of things. He, we, we might think, oh, this is for the world. No, it's, it's for you. I'm sending you out like this so that you'll grow in trust and dependence and love and mercy and compassion and peace in the midst of such an evil world. I think some of it has to do with us growing in faith. Other times, I think it's just simply God's smarter than us. Yeah, I mean, he, he sees the big picture. He knows what's going on. I mean, because you think about it, uh, there are plenty of other options, closer places with places that probably were more strategic, places that probably had more resource than going all the way to Macedonia, to Philippi, where there really wasn't even a gap. If you read on, you'll see there wasn't even really a gathering of of people, believers there that were big enough to, to have a real meeting. They had to they had a place of prayer next to the river. And there the it's. Um, they end up engaging with a woman named Lydia. Now, first century, yeah, that really didn't mean anything in the first century. Women had no standing, but it so happens Lydia 
was a brilliant businesswoman and ends up underwriting, becoming a follower of Jesus, she and her whole household, and underwriting much of that initial work with her resources of the work of the church as it spread to the ends of the earth. Not one that any human eye would have seen, but that God knew exactly what it took. I got a chance to see the movie Harriet two Fridays ago. Um, excellent movie. That's one of the movies I can recommend to, to go um, see. It tells the story of Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was one of the greatest conductors of the Underground Railroad in the mid-1800s. Um, she uh, eventually um, went back and forth 19 times in different ways and successfully brought out over 300 slaves to freedom into Philadelphia and then on many even in to, to Canada. And you read about um, Harriet Tubman. Well, a lot, we know a lot about her journeys because she became, after um, the Civil War and after slavery was ended, she became a speaker. And we have um, some of what she said. Um, and she talked about the visions that she had from God. That, that God would come upon her and give her such specific visions as go left or go right or walk along the river, or cross the river. And, and believe it or not, the movie captures that. Now, um, uh, part of the, the, the story with, with uh, Harriet is, um, as a child, she was hit in the head with a two-pound weight that probably fractured her skull, and best folks can tell from what happened. It took months for her to recover. And so some think, you know, that might have led uh, to, to some damage, may have led to narcolepsy, which is falling asleep a lot, uh, or epilepsy of some kind. And, uh, and they want to explain away the visions according to that. Now, Harriet didn't. Harriet, no, they, these were from God. From my perspective, I got no problem saying, ah, yeah, they're all three. Uh, brain, isn't it amazing? That God can use epilepsy or narcolepsy and brain damage and then lead a woman in the 1800s to take over three, to make 19 safe journeys back into the South to rescue and recover and lead over 300 people into freedom. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. And she was clear to say, this is the work of God leading her. On these journeys. And she, uh, um, but you know, her, on her first journey, she got her first biggest, she got her biggest no. Because the reason she went back the first time was to get her husband. She had left, tricked her husband, left without him because she didn't want to put him in harm's way. But she made her way to Philadelphia. She tasted freedom and she wanted to then go back and get him. And so she did. So she, she had left. She was freed now. She had all that she needed just to stay in the free land. But she went back where she was now legally a slave still. Went back to her home. Stealthily found her husband to take him home only to find that he had remarried. It had been three years. He thought she was dead. And he was remarried and his wife was with child. 
So he, he wasn't going to and he, and he couldn't leave. And it was distress all around and sadness and evil all around. It was a, a huge no. But what she realized is that God led her on that journey, not for her husband, but for a group of others. And she grabbed the others and that became her first journey or her second journey now with others to Philadelphia. And then, which then led to 17 more going back and forth. That, those no's led to many more yeses. Over 300 yeses of the people that she brought to freedom. So God is at work in Paul and Silas' day. He's at work in Harriet Tubman's day. And he's at work in our day. The, the Spirit is at work leading us through no's and yeses to fulfill His plan. So who's, who's your team? You know, who are the people that are around you, that are with you, that, that help you, or the folks, the team that you're with, to, to support, encourage, help? What's the first step? Yeah, what's just the the first step on this journey that God has for you and for us as a church? Maybe it's just, maybe it's going to the, it's coming an hour early and going to the middle class and going to the the class on evangelism. Or maybe it's just getting up enough um, uh, energy and gumption to say, okay, I'm going to do the alpha thing starting in, uh, in, in January. Or maybe it's part of what I mentioned with Pleasant Hill. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just a neighbor that you're, you're feeling God say, I need to connect with this person to become simply a friend to them. Um, what is that first step for you? And take it. And be aware of how the Lord might lead and guide you on the journey. Because God is still leading us to do His bidding just as he did, did with Paul, just as he did with Harriet, so he's doing with us. Amen.